is going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous tuesday august 1st 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood what a monday Jeez. <laughs> it's been a long Monday, but trust me, guys, we are here to bring you the news. We have a great show lined up. First men, uh, item on the menu. First U.S. nuclear reactor built from scratch in decades enter commercial production in Georgia. Next up, take note labor. Sweden rejects wind farm project over its negative effect on the environment. Next up, gotta love this, Klaus Schwab's daughter, quote, permanent climate lockdowns coming whether you like it or not. Ooh, spooky. So Stu will dive into what that means. Next up, why the world just can't kick coal. And finally, billionaire Harold Hams. He's a great oil fortune still untapped in U.S. shale. Um, that'll round out our story. Stu will pop it over to me. I'll cover what's going on in the oil markets and quickly touch on Comstock earnings. And then we'll let you get out of here here on this busy Monday because we all are poop. But nonetheless, we will get this going, guys. But before we dive into all of that again, all these stories are courtesy the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. Stu does a great job of curating that website to make sure it stays up to speed with all of your energy news. Um, Dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all your data, energy news, combo, hard at work at V2. So uh, I'm slaving away for you, the listener. Check us out. Give us a shout. Questions at energynewsbeat.com or the description below. All right, Stu, where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start with my favorite topic here. The first U.S. nuclear reactor built from scratch in decades enters commercial operation in Georgia. Michael, this is actually pretty cool. It's Georgia Power uh, Company announced Monday that Unit 3 at Plant Vogadal, uh, southeast of Augusta, has completed testing and is now commercial operation seven years late and $17 billion over budget. You know what this has in relationship to California? What? It's still about $400 billion less than their train. And oh. it's running. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> so now, as a full 1,100 megawatts of electricity, Unit 3 can power 500,000 homes and businesses. That's sweet. I like some net zero, carbon net zero uh, nukes, man. Uh, this hasn't been done in our country from start to finish in 30 years. <laughs> yeah, that you want to know a little fun facts Do that. Chris Womack guy, we've I've produced multiple podcasts that he's been on because he's a longtime Abe member. Oh, no way. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I wondered where that was. Yes. I love Chris. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's actually very good. So we're all pretty excited about this. But 30 years, that was yesterday's rant while you were out saving the whales. Yep. Uh, I was, I was, yeah, I was ranting about, uh, you know, policies. We got to get these policies yep. fixed. Here's one. All right. We're going to go to the next one here. Take note, labor, Sweden rejects wind farm over its negative effect on the environment. 
Sweden, uh, Michael, this is really, really big because it's a systemic, it's a st- st- systemic of what's going on. It's a big on. word for you. It's, we'll it let is. you sound hey, it out. That's the Oklahoma State coming out in me right now, man. I'm sorry. You know, yep. This, yep. This, okay. There is, a, it's a film. And so there's almost nothing in the article, but we've got the link to the film there. Negative effects on the environment that's offshore windmills is against uh, national interest. Michael, this is the first time, first time. I almost want to hold my hands out like, or for our podcast listeners like Trump. It is the first time that Sweden has actually took a stand and went, no, no renewables for you. It's number one. No, um, I think, again, this is a the first of w- what I see is many of these reports coming out of the, the unintended negative externalities of right. wind farms, of these large floating offshore wind farms. Oh, it's brutal. And uh, for anybody that's listening, uh, of all of our listeners, if you are a wind energy expert, I want to talk to you because I'm finding the mean time between failure and economic success on a wind farm is eight years. Nobody can tell me anything different. Okay, let's yeah, go to so, the next. So, I mean, just to clarify a little bit of my absence yesterday, I was at the sister organization of Just Stop Oil, Just Stop Wind, where our goal is to stop the wind from blowing. In order to shut down wind farms. So that's where we're headed. It'll be fun. So you look for us in the news. We're we're planning some some events in the near future. Nice. So oil and gas saved the whales the first time. The wind farm started taking them out the second time. And you're trying to just stop the wind instead of stopping the wind wind farm. Well, then, because then you stop building wind farms and inherently save the whales. But you were wanting to kill the whales last week. Well, now we can save them. Oh, dang. My millennial, young millennial. Okay, let's go to the next story. Cla- uh, Klaus Schwab's daughter, permanent uh, climate lockdowns coming, whether you like it or not. Michael, before we get into this article, let me explain something to our listeners right now. Explain them. Okay, the World Economic Forum, this is not me talking. This is not conspiracy theory. This is what they said. They are going to do a new world order, and they are all about doing climate change. Now that people are just like um, Sweden is saying, hey, maybe we might want to look at this in cost of energy. Um, the World Economic Forum is going to be doubling down. Climate change folks are going to be doubling down. Today, also, they had a report where uh, it is Gulf Stream current could collapse in 2025, plunging Earth into climate chaos. We're actually bewildered. And then they're also saying that we're now a broiler for the climate. Climate change is no longer climate change. We're now broiling. (laughs) So There's literally a quote here. What what scares me and creeps me out about the World Economic Forum is when you get quotes like this. So I see a tremendous, this is from Schwab's daughter. What's her name? Nicole Schwab. Right. So I see it says there's a tremendous opportunity to really have this great reset and use this to have huge flows of money in a way that's not possible to create. Opportunity to really have this great reset. 
I got and, that. Gives, that sends chills down your front. A great reset. I'm good on that. Let's go down here for just a little bit more. There were numerous examples of global maintaining social distancing, wearing masks, mass vaccination, and acceptance of contract tracing applications for public health. They did this in order to get it rolling. And now they're calling for a climate catastrophe as people are waking up and going, I can't afford the renewable stuff. They're going to double down and go even worse. You're going to see it polarizing even worse. If, If you're into work from home, you should applaud climate lockdowns. Ooh, uh, no, Ooh. no, Ooh. people Ooh. are tired of wearing their bunny slippers. And uh, I'm going to ask you this right now. How many days was the longest days in a row that you went without a shower during COVID? Yeah, it, uh, yeah. it's one I'm not comfortable answering on this podcast. Right. You don't want to go through that again. And I'm not being locked down again. I'm sorry. It ain't going to happen. I just so, thought it's interesting pairing, but no, um, it, it is kind of scary what the World Economic Forum wants. It's not a joke. We cover it if only because these are their quotes, people. They're literally saying the Great Reset. That what what this is not us. That and and the point. I wish it was. I wish I. I wish this was a bit. I wish we were doing a bit, but it's not. The point that I'm trying to make is we have the ESG bouncing back. The investors are demanding their money. BlackRock has been quietly investing in oil and gas. They're going. Look, that's a squirrel, and then they're investing in oil and gas. So. The energy hypocrisy, the investing hypocrisy, it's going to get worse. Okay. So we call an energy news beat buffet. (laughs) (laughs) What's next? This fits right on in with why the world just can't kick coal. There are some fabulous quotes in here. U.S. coal demand has decreased due to the increase. Coal demand has decreased. I need to make sure I get that right. Due to the increased availability of natural gas growth and renewable sources and stricter environmental regulation. That's fabulous. However, further down in the article, especially in Asia and China, which consumes 55% of the world's coal, continues to rise due to the relative cheapness and abundance of coal and rapid industrialization. Coal so demand. What people don't realize is that while we are basically off coal as a country, the world has gone back to coal. Right. And so all the gains we have made have been have been overridden by what's going on in China and India. And they're doing what they think is best for their country. So can you fault them? I don't know if you're John Kerry. Yes, you can fly over to private jet and blame them for it. They're, they're not enough. going to hear what we will say is we need to incentivize. There's we somehow to get them on natural gas because I don't think we should be having coal growth. Coal what? Coal. We shouldn't be using more coal. I no, can at least agree with everybody there. I, I I couldn't agree more. Here's some stats that scare me to death. Okay. Um, China consumes 55% of the world's coal and consumption continues to rise. As a whole, the Asia Pacific region is responsible for 81% of the world coal consumption. 
81%, Michael. Wow. The only country in the world that lowered their CO2 was the United States because the EIA said it. Fracking. 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 So 5,000 pounds per foot monster fracks, baby. Oh, you got to love it. So here we have ESG, BlackRock sneaking in by, you know, the hypocrisy investing into oil and gas. You have the Schwab organization pulling naval lint out, trying to go ahead and subjugate us to climate falsehoods. The Gulf Stream is going to change and we are now on a bonfire or we're blowing up. Good grief. Okay. With that, I'm done ranting, but buckle up. It's going to get weirder. Okay. Let's go to the next one here. Wasn't that fun? (laughs) Okay. The next one is fun. Billionaire Harold Hamm sees a great oil fortune Still untapped in U.S. shale. Michael, did you see how I weaved all these stories Mm -hmm. in together? And I'm coming in with a really nice one here from Harold. I was on the phone trying to work around with his scheduling. We're getting Harold Hamm on the podcast. We like us some Harold Hamm. And uh, this is pretty exciting when you sit here and think Continental, uh, he and his family, the future is bright, said Harold during an interview with Bloomberg this month in the Oklahoma City office. I look at this as an industry that's exciting with a lot of adventure and potential for making great wealth. We certainly have seen some great days in shale, but we have a long way to go. Yay. So I'm pretty excited about this. You also have Exxon and you have their purchase of Denbury. You start looking at all of the ones. They're saying there's a lot more in the Permian coming around the corner. So Ham said it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a thrill to it, like finding ancient wealth. This guy's a rock star. So I can't wait to talk. He's old school, man. Like. Hey, data says one thing. Data says we're we're declining oil. You know, we're we're running out of oil in the Permian. Where I find, you know, yeah, all, all the data says one thing. Harold Ham, ah, real baby, I love it. Yep. It warms and my heart. It it is, and uh, you know, he took Continental back private yeah. and to and do this a- to go wildcat. Gotta love it. I love it, and I am all in. I couldn't be happier that he's. Oh, by the way. His new book, we're going to be giving away five signed copies uh, for of Harold's new book he's signing for us. So as we get through this, we're going to have a little contest for five signed books from Harold. to try Harold. to get that man on a podcast. I'm, I'm already booking it. Good. Coming Good. in. That'll be a fun one. Oh, it's going to be a hoot. Back to you. All right. Well, I'll go uh, oil prices then. I mean, what a what a what a fun couple days, guys. I mean, from Thursday, Friday at the end, then rolling into uh, yesterday and and today, eighty one seventy one to close out Monday. Stu, absolutely unbelievable. A lot of the stuff that we've you know and Stu has been talking about in terms of demand tightness is really starting to come true, ring true, and really is what leading us to that number. You know, we're seeing you know the Saudi Arabia. It's going to looks like into September they're going to go ahead and continue to take and that lolly. Lollipop is really turning into it's the lollipop that never ends. It's how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Saudi Tootsie Pop? Well, it's more than three months. I'll tell you that much. It's more than three months. But I mean, I mean, quite frankly, this this rise in oil prices can't come at a better time because I think the earnings that we're seeing that are dropping, not necessarily for Comstock, which which we'll dive into shortly here, is a welcome time to give 
IR guys and a chance to pivot off what are some lackluster results. Because I mean, you talk about Comstock. Granted, these guys are a natural gas uh, weighted company. Stu, when the first line of your press release as an IR guy has to read weak natural gas prices have weighed heavily on second quarter results. <laughs> Oops. Ooh, that means that means you're trying to get out ahead of something really bad. And unfortunately, um, while they did total um, about operating cash flows about of 145 million and adjusted EBITDAX was 182 million. Oh, that sounds great. But it really was a, a net loss of Friday afternoon. Yeah. Net loss of 45 million though. So, I mean, that tells you how much EBITDAX is worthless. Is it a thing? Oh wait, you made $182 million worth of adjusted EBITDAX, but no, in reality, you lost $45 million. So, but, uh, but yeah, the, the 182 million sounds great. Uh, so who do we got down here? Who's a, who's our, uh, IR guy of the week, Ron Mills, VP yeah. finance and investor relations. Sweet. EBITDAX is outside gap rules, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, EBITDAX with an X, it sounds like it's like trying to be hip. Like, ooh, ooh. I think it's got something to do with like... uh, It's without... CapEx as well. I think you remove CapEx. You remove exploration. Exploration, which I guess if you're Comstock, that's all you're doing because you're basically just drilling fat natural gas wells. I did see that they turned one well on at 35 million MCF per day. Ooh, or 35 million cubic feet a day. Ooh, 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 ooh. Still doesn't pay the bills at $2.60 oil. That sucks. Glad that's not my balance sheet. Yeah. Uh, what else, Stu? What do you got? What should we be scared about? Um, the climate uh, fear-mongering. Yep. Stay inside. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Tell your boss you have to stay home. <laughs> climate. So, all right. We'll let you guys get out of here. Uh, we appreciate you sticking with us on this Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you then.